Life is full of challenges. With an unpredictable economy and just as surprising life changes, you need to be prepared to weather any storm. Elder law and estate planning attorney Kevin Tharp and financial advisor Gary Anderson are available to help you with life's difficult decisions. This is Truth in Planning. Hollywood and estate planning. I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, I've talked about this on the, on the show before uh, when I talked about some of my favorite movies. Um, I'm a big movie fan. And not only am I a movie fan, but I love to quote many of my favorite movies. And you're good at it, too. And I'm good at it, too. And if you've never seen a particular movie, well, just sit down and give me about 10 minutes, and I'll pretty much tell you what the movie line by line is. Um, And uh, I have several good movies. And interestingly enough, many of my favorite movies tie into the legal industry. My Cousin Vinny is one of my uh, most favorite movies. A Few Good Men uh, is uh, uh, one of my favorite movies. Um, one of my favorite shows that I'm watching now uh, on live on streaming is uh, Boston Legal. I love that show with William Shatner and Denny Crane, name on the door. Uh, I love that show. Um, and so I quote movies a lot. And so I want to tie in the segment today. I want to tie it into how does Hollywood affect estate planning? And on last week's show, I talked a lot about uh, people focus on, and when they have estate planning, they focus on, oh, well, I've taken care of it because I have a document. And the document that they focus on is the document that most people are familiar with. All the way from William Shakespeare to current day, everybody focuses on a will. There's a uh, a movie that came out a couple of years ago. It's kind of a mystery movie called Knives Out, and it involved a will. And you see in Hollywood the famous reading of the will, and everybody's around, and they're all reading the will. And uh, So there's a lot of focus on this document called a will in estate planning. And I think a lot of it comes from what's generated in Hollywood, because Hollywood is going to uh, when that particular topic is tied into a mystery or a comedy, I know there was a comedy, I think it was called Brewster's Millions, where they read a will and and Richard Pryor had to figure out a way to spend millions of dollars within a certain time frame or lose it. Um, and it involved, you know, the scene started out where they're all reading the will. And so there's this uh, idea that the will and estate planning and people connect that together. And I think a lot of that comes from in Hollywood that you're going to write a script or a story about something that's simple and people understand it. And so over the years in estate planning, that's the one thing that I think the general public understands. I think that that's one thing that lawyers are trained to do. Uh, They may not necessarily be estate planning lawyers. You see this a lot in small towns when you have uh, general practitioners that do a little bit of different things. And but they have to take a wills and estates course. We called it stiffs and gifts in in law school Uh, course in law in um, in law school. They have to take that course. I taught a wills and estates course at the University of North Georgia in their paralegal program for many, many years. And that's what people are familiar with or wills. And so that's the go to in Hollywood when it comes to talking about estate planning. And Gary, estate planning is not really a complicated subject. It's really boils down to answering two questions. And the first one is the question we ask every one of our clients and even ask ourselves, because it's the one thing that's going to happen to all of us. 
what's going to happen to my assets when I die? It's that universal question that applies to all of us. And usually the answer and the reason I like asking that question is I know the answer to it, but I want to see what my clients or prospective clients response are. And almost every time, every single time, almost 100 percent of the time, people will say, oh, well, I have a will that covers that. I'm good. I've done my estate planning. I know what's going to happen to my assets when I die because I put it in a will. You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor. My co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney, today is talking about Hollywood and estate planning. And, Kevin, this is something, you're right, you're right. You see this in the movies all the time. There's somebody's having a reading of the will, the nephew who nobody ever knew and everybody hated winds up getting everything except for, you know, a pair of dice or something. And um, I think because we're so used to hearing and seeing wills everywhere we go, especially in in the in Hollywood movies, things like that. We just assume the will is the only way we can plan. And uh, I think people are always surprised when they find out that that may be not the best way to plan because of things like the nephew who nobody knew getting everything. That's a good good point to me for why you should not have a will anyway. So the reality is, let's take the typical Hollywood movie scene where everybody's sitting around and they're reading the will, and it said, and I hereby give this to this person, and I hereby give this to this person, and I give my beloved nephew my dog. (laughs) And they're like, man, what a jip. I get the dog. Well, it turns out that it's a talking dog, but that's a whole different movie (laughs) altogether. But so everybody thinks, okay, all of this is going to happen. But then cut the movies over, and behind the scenes, the lawyer says, okay, so I get the home, right? Well, in actuality, the deed reflects that the home was on joint between the deceased person and rich uncle and his current girlfriend. And so you're not actually going to get the house like the will says because title trumped that will. And so the next response is going to be, well, what's that will worth? And there's your answer to your question. Nothing. A document alone is no value to you in estate planning because title dictates everything. So if I own my home joint with my wife and I have a will that says when I die, I give everything to my daughter and we have the Hollywood reading of the will after I die, my daughter's going to be extremely disappointed that she doesn't get the house, but it goes to my wife. Why? Because title trumps the document. Then you have to ask the question to the lawyer who prepared that document, why didn't I know about this? Why didn't you discuss this with me when it comes to titling? Because most likely that lawyer was trained, like most lawyers, give a client a document and you solve everything, especially in estate planning. But there's more to estate planning than just the will, despite what Hollywood says. Now, there's been some movies that I've I've seen before that actually get this right, that you actually have a person that has a will and there's a reading of the will. But behind the scenes, there's person who's manipulated the title on things and put their names on bank accounts and all of those things. Uh, and it's a really good movie uh, just came out a couple of years ago and the results of how all of that happened. But this person under the official guise of acting as the person's guardian 
went around behind the scenes, never touched their will, never even looked at their will, didn't need to, but went behind with court endorsement and went behind and changed title on bank accounts and beneficiaries on insurance to themselves so they could manage everything when something happened to that loved one. And then that person dies and the family standing there holding a piece of paper and that's literally all they have because title can negate a will. It can negate the need for a will. It can negate the will altogether. So what we tell our clients is let's go beyond the Hollywood. Let's go beyond the theatrics of a will and let's go to a trust. And I think a lot of times people in Hollywood don't talk about trust because quite frankly, they're boring. Mm-hmm. They think it's boring. Everybody knows about a will, but nobody understands a trust. Nobody wants to understand it. So that's why we talk about trust, because trusts are a complete estate plan. You can title your assets in coordination with that trust while you're living without giving up ownership, because it's a revocable trust. So when you die, you don't need to have the reading of the will. You know exactly what's going to happen to your assets when you die, and your beneficiaries know exactly who's going to get what, and everything stays private. You don't have to go through the government court public process called probate. Kevin, everybody's different, and I think they deserve a conversation with you to talk about how these types of planning should fit their particular situation. My website is the best way to reach me, kevintharpe.com. Coming up next, how much taxes will you have to pay during your retirement years? What about taxes during your retirement years? I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. Kevin, last week we talked about tax planning versus tax preparation. What's the difference? Well, it really boils down to tax preparation is it deals with more of the immediate. It's what we do every year. We and or someone who we've assigned to do that, being a CPA or an accountant, does our taxes for us. Tax preparation is every year. What is the typical tax preparation involves is making sure you're paying as little taxes as you possibly can during that particular year. But when it comes to planning for retirement and being in retirement, sometimes tax preparation actually costs us more money in taxes because you save money early on by saving in taxes one year, but it's hurting you in later years. So what we like to do from a tax planning perspective is make sure that you're not paying all these taxes at the front end or the back end, not not making taxes an issue at this point in time during retirement. We want to spread them out over the years so you have more of the money you have and you can you have more money to use for all the things you ever wanted to do during your retirement. So taxes are a shock for a lot of people during your retirement years. A tax plan is very important. If you don't have a tax plan, then you need to talk to somebody who can do that for you. Your advisor should be helping you with tax planning for your retirement years. And that tax planning starts early on if possible. Certainly, you can do some planning during your retirement years, but the earlier you do it, the better you're going to benefit from it. 
And so we like to do tax planning to help you make sure you're minimizing and mitigating your taxes during those retirement years. Social Security is an issue. We talked about this last week. When you take Social Security, it can be an issue. You can start at age 62. Some people say, that's when I'm going to do it. I'm not waiting another day because I don't know what's going to happen in the future. That may be a plan of some sort, but it might not be the best plan. What I was talking about last week was if you started at 62, then your full retirement age, let's say it's at 65 or 66, your your, your full retirement age, you're going to get actually 30% more. You're getting 70% of your full retirement Social Security if you started at 62. So you're going to get about a 30-some-odd percent pay raise if you just wait until you're your full retirement age. And then maximum at age 70, you can add 8% to your Social Security every year you didn't take it between age 65 or 66 to age 70 when they make you start taking it. So you're getting all these pay raises just because you haven't decided to start taking it yet. That can really impact you during your retirement, and it also can benefit you tax-wise. One thing that that we have done with people in the past, and and we still do it, is when when we look at your Social Security and you're asking us, when is the best time for me to take it? Number one, it depends. Depends on you as an individual what your needs are and what your goals are for retirement. But sometimes it's better to wait until age 70, even though you think you can't. Because we have other taxable sources of income. We have other sources of income during our retirement. They're all, for the most part, taxable to some degree or another, except a Roth. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. They're all taxable. Well, let's look at the ways that we can benefit ourselves tax-wise during the middle to later years of our retirement if we do things a little bit differently by waiting until the maximum retirement age. And let's say, no, Gary, I want to leave. I'm stopping work at 62. I don't care what you tell me. I'm stopping my work at 62, and I'm going to take Social Security. Well, I've got a little thing here that may make you change your mind about taking. You might want to quit work at 62. That's fine. But I've got something that I want to talk about that lets you get an idea that maybe you don't need to start taking your Social Security at that age and waiting, even though you're retired. And that's what we'll get into in a second. We're talking about taxes in your retirement today on Truth and Planning. I'm with my co-host, Gary Anderson, and uh, Social Security and when you take your Social Security. Uh, I know in my uh, brother's example, oldest brother's example, he was in that category of, I don't care what you say, I'm going to take retirement at 62. I've worked all my life. I put in it. It's time for me to enjoy some of that money I put into it. Right now, that was about a year ago. It's not going to be long that he's going to be going back to work because he's just absolutely bored. He probably just needed an extended vacation and now it's like, okay, the vacation's over, and I need to do something. Well, I think two people do overreact sometimes, and they do find out later, wait a minute, what am I going to do after you've already made this decision? And this is something that it's your personal decision. You can do whatever you want to do, but it really is pretty nice to have a conversation with somebody else about it. 
a financial advisor, for instance, with us, we have these conversations with people every day because we can look at your overall retirement from, number one, minimizing taxes, and number two, making sure those retirement funds that you have, those IRAs, those 401ks, your pension, things like that will last you your entire retirement years, your entire lifetime. Social Security is one of those gifts. It's a government program. It guarantees you you're going to get paid until the day you die. Well, that could be a long time. So let's make sure, if at all possible, you can get as much Social Security as you possibly can. And if you can wait until age 70 to start taking Social Security, even though you retired at 62 because you were determined to do it, and you might have been determined to do it for a particular reason, you may need to be taking care of an aging parent. You may have grandchildren come on you want to spend some time with, or someone else in the family needs your help, or somebody else needs your help. So you want to retire at 62 so you can do those things, and that's great. But if we look at your overall plan and sources of retirement income come into play, we like to have a diversified tax plan just like we like to have a diversified income plan and an investment plan. Diversification is good in all these areas. If I have a 401k or a Roth IRA, two different things there, a Roth 401k, they're two different things, and they're treated differently tax-wise. So let's say I do have a a 401k, and it's a pretty sizable 401k, and I'm talking about taking Social Security. And when do I take it? Well, sometimes, even though you want to retire at age 62, you have these other tax-qualified plans, you can start taking money from them now. You don't have to wait until you're 72, 73 years old to start taking required minimum distributions for those. You can start taking the funds from those accounts anytime after age 59 and a half and not have a tax penalty. Well, let's just propose this. Just, you know, right off the top of my head, let's just say that you've got enough money to create some income during retirement from your 401k, your IRA. Let's start by delaying your Social Security to age 70, but start taking money from your qualified retirement plans, that IRA or 401k, at age 62, knowing that at age 70, you're going to have a considerable amount of Social Security income coming then. So let's say you retire at age 62, eight years after you retire, you're going to start taking Social Security. In the meantime, you've taken withdrawals from these 401ks these IRAs. Yes, you're paying taxes on it then, but guess what? There's a good chance you're going to pay less taxes then because the the account, the values of the accounts could be lower. But also by doing that, delaying Social Security and paying, taking income from other sources up front, you're allowing this all-important um, source of income in Social Security to, to last longer and be worth a lot more for you over time. And this is what planning does. And I'm throwing this out there just to give you some ideas of other things you can do besides what you've always thought to be the thing you need to do. Maybe it's not for you. We want to have that conversation. And Gary, what steps can our listeners take to start that conversation with you? Kevin, they can call us at Anderson Advisors, 888-371-2847. can set up a time for you to come in. In the next segment, we're going to talk about the nursing home myth.
nursing home myth. I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson advisor. Gary, I've been an elder law attorney now for over 35 years. And I can tell you, uh, I've heard this over and over and over again, both professionally as well as personally. When my parents and grandparents went into a nursing home, there's this myth that has been perpetuated over the years. Uh, some of it is uh, out there just in the general public. A lot of it, I think, starts with the nursing homes. And it comes down to uh, this myth, I think, is generated from how you're going to pay for the nursing home. And here's what here's what I've heard people say for many, many years. If you go into a nursing home, you're going to lose everything you own. Or same thing, just said in a different way. I've heard people many, many times say, if you go in a nursing home, you can't keep anything. You can't have any assets. And so your only choice, if you're, you or your loved one is in a nursing home, is you have to pay for that nursing home out of pocket. And in the nursing home industry, paying for it out of pocket is called private pay. Now, there's other levels, payment levels, for a nursing home. There's Medicare, usually triggered by you go into a hospital, often tied into uh, therapy, although Medicare has nothing to do with how you're progressing in your therapy. But Medicare laws say that they will only pay a nursing home for your care for 100 days. And many times people have uh, insurance, they call them Medicare supplements, that pay along with Medicare during that 100-day period. Oh, well, insurance won't pay. Oh, you have Medicare Advantage. We don't accept Medicare Advantage. So all of a sudden people are like, well, I don't. my insurance won't pay. Medicare won't pay. Well, I've just got a private pay. There's also another level of pay called Medicaid. And Medicaid, and, and here's another myth I hear all the time. Oh, you don't want Medicaid. You don't want Medicaid because the quality of your care is terrible. We're not a Medicaid nursing home. And these myths out there perpetuated themselves. You don't get as good quality of care that you would get if you private pay. Well, you don't have to be a healthcare industry expert or even a financial expert or elder law attorney to know this. Out of the three rates at a nursing home, which one do you think, Gary, is the highest rate? Private pay, Medicare, or Medicaid? I'm guessing private pay. You're exactly right private pay. There's no difference in your care or the care of your loved one. And you know, because you've personally experienced this with your mother and Mm mother-in-law and other family members like I have, uh, we've experienced this with our clients professionally. We know the quality of care is not dependent upon the payment source. In fact, there's a federal law that prohibits every nursing home in the United States from discriminating and giving lesser care because of the payment source. So the idea that the only payment source you have is to pay out of pocket, a lot of that myth comes from the nursing home because they stand to benefit. If the quality of care is the same for two women in a nursing home sharing a room and one's private paying and one's 
on Medicaid and they're getting the same exact care and the same exact attention, then who really benefits from getting $10,000 a month as opposed to $6,000 a month, which is the difference usually between private pay and Medicaid? Well, it's the nursing home. So a lot of this myth is actually perpetuated by the nursing home. In the previous segment, we talked about Hollywood and estate planning and this idea about wills and and the myth that behind the wills, a lot of it's perpetuated by Hollywood because that's easy to understand. Well, I think a lot of this myth of uh, you'll lose everything if you go into a nursing home is perpetuated by the nursing home industry and others that are connected to it, advisors especially, and even many elder law attorneys will just latch on to that myth because that's what they've heard for all these years. Well, you just got to spend everything you own. You're going to lose your home. If you don't lose it while you're living, you'll lose it when you die. You're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. Today, my co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney, is talking about nursing home myths. And Gary, one of the biggest, the biggest myth when it comes to nursing home is that you will lose everything. And that is actually a myth. It's not true. It's not accurate. When you go into a nursing home, you don't have to private pay. You can apply for and will qualify for Medicaid because what Medicaid focuses on is not whether or not you have assets. Medicaid focuses on the type of asset you own. And that's very important legal principle to remember. Why? Because that'll dictate everything after that. When you understand that type of asset determines protection, then you'll realize why you don't have to lose your home, why you don't have to sell your home, why you don't have to cash in your IRA or retirement account, why you don't have to sell your car. If you're married, why you don't have to cash in your bank accounts uh, under a certain amount. But I know this myth is out there because that's exactly what my dad and family were told when my mother went into a nursing home. That's exactly what my brothers and I were told when my dad went into a nursing home back in September of last year. It's not whether you have assets. It's what type of assets you have that will determine whether or not they're protected if you go into a nursing home. And the good news is that one of the most common types of assets that we own our home and land is the type of asset by law is protected. So what that means is you can get Medicaid to assist you to pay for your home and not be forced to sell your home and spend down all the money. Same thing with your retirement account. That's what it means by being the type of asset that is protected. So when you go into a nursing home and you have a home and you have a retirement account, and you have a car, and you have personal effects, so far you have all the types of assets that are protected. You don't have to sell them, and you will not lose them while you're living, and Medicaid will pay for the nursing home, and your loved one will get the same exact care if you sold your home and cashed in your retirement account and spent all that money at $10,000 a month or more. So who stands to benefit from that myth? The nursing Mm -hmm. home. And that's where, honestly, a lot of that myth is perpetuated. It benefits the nursing home. So as an elder law attorney, one of my goals is to make sure that I get that information out there to people. That's why I do this radio show. 
is to get that information out there to, to people. Your home and many other assets are the type of assets that are protected. And here's the next thing. You do not have to give up ownership in order to do that. So don't put your home in an irrevocable trust in order to protect it from nursing home spend down. It's already protected as long as you don't give up ownership. So watch that nursing home myth of you'll lose everything if you go into a nursing home. And instead, reach out to me through my website, kevintharp.com, and I'll give you the black and white list of the legal assets that are legally protected if you go into a nursing home. Coming up next, will converting to a Roth actually save you in taxes? Saving taxes with your Roth IRA. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. Kevin, that's kind of a pretty much an acceptable concept. By having a Roth, you're saving on taxes. And that's true. If you started accumulating a Roth IRA over the years and you're getting towards retirement, if you've accumulated a good sum of money in that Roth, as opposed to a traditional IRA, all the money you take from that Roth will never be taxed. It is It accumulates tax-free, and you can use the money tax-free for your entire life because of that convert, that because you've saved money in a Roth. Maybe you had a Roth 401k. Those are becoming more and more popular now. The Roth option to a 401k is something a lot of people need to look at because Sometimes you don't really need the tax savings by taking a deduction for contributing to a traditional IRA. You're much better off having better tax savings down in the later years during your retirement years. Using a Roth for that is much better because that's one thing that is the one thing you will not have to pay any taxes on during your retirement years when you take money out of it. As opposed to traditional, you have to pay taxes on every bit of the money that's there. I talked a little bit earlier about delaying your Social Security, retiring whenever you want to, but delay your Social Security till age 70 because it's a much, much greater benefit if you can wait. Well, Gary, I don't even know if I'm going to last that long. Well, that's true, but you have a spouse probably who could very well be here, even though you may be gone, that they can benefit from that higher Social Security that you're getting. So that's something to think about. But also, you want to, you can make sure that you're, the amount of income that you're getting from your Social Security is going to really benefit you down the line because you get this Social Security every month, every year for the rest of your life. That really starts adding up when you're getting so much more because you waited till age 70. And so, okay, but what am I going to use for income if I wait until age 70 and I want to retire at 62? That's eight years, Gary, eight years. Well, keep in mind one thing, that eight years, your Social Security check is going to increase by at least 8% every year over those eight years. That's substantial. But okay, but I still need income, Gary. I've got to have it. 
I'm stopping work. Those paychecks aren't going to be coming in anymore. Where's my income coming from? Well, that has to do, you have a lot of sources, potential sources for income in retirement. And this, most of the time, the major, the major source that you're going to have is your 401k, your IRA. That's a place where you've saved money over the years. You did get a tax break for doing that. But now when you start taking money out, you're going to pay taxes. There's nothing wrong with starting to take distributions from your IRA earlier than age 72 or will be 73 that the government makes you start taking it. You might want to get it earlier. Why? Well, because you're spreading the taxes out of that over time. Instead of waiting until the last years of your retirement to start getting money from your IRA or your 401k, start taking it earlier and spread those taxes out. That makes a difference. All right, so let's wait and take Social Security till we're age 70. We got that. But now we're going to use funds from our 401k, our IRA, to create this same income that Social Security would have created for this eight-year period of time. At the end of that, you can start backing off on the distributions from your IRAs, your 401ks, because now you're going to start taking Social Security, which will take the place of some of that. So you're helping yourself tax-wise by spreading taxes out with your tax-qualified plans like IRAs and 401ks, and you're increasing substantially the amount of Social Security you're going to get by doing that. Now, we talked about a Roth a second ago, about the nice thing about a Roth is you never have to worry about paying taxes on that. Sometimes a Roth conversion, even though you may have never contributed to a Roth during your working years, a Roth conversion is something that's a possibility. And what you're doing there is taking an IRA and converting that to a Roth. Well, how do you do that? Everybody would want to do that, right? Well, potentially. But the reason it becomes an issue is because you're paying taxes then. You're paying all of your taxes on that traditional IRA right now for whatever amount you're moving over to your Roth. So you have a tax bill there, and you're having to pay that immediately. So now you've got to pay these taxes that you may not necessarily have the funds for because that's got to come from your liquid liquid assets, checking accounts, bank accounts of some sort, or a brokerage account. The money's got to come there to pay the taxes. So there's other issues that I want to talk about in a second about what a Roth conversion to do can do, but also what you have to watch out for if you're even thinking about doing a conversion right now. We're talking about IRAs and converting your traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. Is it a good idea? Can it help you save on taxes? What are some of the things to be aware of? These are the various questions that we're discussing today on Truth and Planning with Gary Anderson, financial advisor of Anderson Advisors. And Gary, a Roth IRA or a Roth IRA in itself and the ability to convert was a great concept a number of years ago. And here's one thing uh, I'm considering uh, it right now for the simple fact of I believe that it's such a great thing that Congress at one point is going to say, wake up and go, what were we thinking? Let's get rid of this thing. (laughs) And that's a good point. I, I brought that up a couple of times on the show in the past is we never know what they're going to do up there in Washington. You know, that's, this, this, that is not North Georgia. That's Washington. And that is a totally different world. And 
any of these politicians have the capability of changing the mindset about Roths and eventually creating a taxable situation with that, even though you were promised you wouldn't have to pay taxes on it. Well, maybe we can just change the situation and we don't have to honor that particular promise. That's what they're looking at in Washington, or they could be. So maybe we need to hedge the thoughts of Roth conversions a little bit. But one thing you need to look at as well, and this is a Roth conversion. We're talking about a Roth conversion during your retirement years, deciding to convert some of your IRA over to a Roth now or over the next few years. One thing you have to consider is if you're thinking about converting to a Roth within the next two years, remember this. Your Medicare tax, your Medicare premiums are going to go up potentially because you have created a potentially pretty large sum of now taxable income by pulling a chunk of money from your traditional IRA, which is all taxable in the year that you pull the money out. That is considered taxable income on your tax return. And the government looks at that and says, okay, your taxable income last year was twice what it was the year before, we're going to have to go up on your Medicare premiums. And that's something called Income-Related Monthly Adjustment Amount. That's IRMA in short. So when you hear the word IRMA from your tax preparer... It's not a hurricane. It's not Hurricane IRMA, but it could hit you like a hurricane for sure because that's what taxes do to you anyway. They can blow you away at times. We don't want you to be blown away in your retirement So before you convert to a Roth, let's look at this to make sure you can do it. You've got a ceiling there. And if you get over that ceiling, as far as taxes go, taxable income goes, you're going to pay more in taxes because you're in a different tax bracket, but you're going to pay more in Social Security taxes or premiums. So now you've got two things going on there that are really going to kind of usurp your plan to have this taxable income later because you're paying taxes all over the place right now because you've done this conversion and not really thought it out. If you're going to do a conversion or you're thinking about doing it, now would be the time to do it if it works for you, Kevin, but it doesn't work for everybody. So don't assume always, and this is something advisors over the past decades, couple of decades, have defaulted to, yeah, you need to convert to a Roth. Just point blank, convert to a Roth. Might not even know the person that well, but they're already telling you convert. Well, that might not be good for you. As a matter of fact, converting to a Roth in your retirement years could be more detrimental than anything else tax-wise. And this is, we're always talking about tax planning. This is a part of tax planning, Kevin, not preparation. That's what your accountant, that's what your CPA can do. But tax planning can mitigate you paying too much in taxes at any one time during your retirement and doing it in a way that allows you to use more of your money for the things you want to do and more money to enjoy yourself or your family with during your retirement years. Gary, I know taxes are a very integral part. It's like the oil in the engine. If you don't look at it and you ignore it, it's going to shut everything down. And so that's why it's important to have this discussion about how taxes fit into your retirement planning. And I know you have that discussion with your clients. So how can our listeners get in touch with you and set up that appointment? Kevin, we would enjoy talking to you. You can call us at Anderson Advisors, 888-371-2847. 
Investment advisory services are offered through Anderson Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm. Anderson Advisors is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investments involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Any reference to protection, safety, and lifetime income generally refers to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the strength and paying capabilities of the insurance carrier. This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. You should consult with a financial advisor to help determine the best options for your particular circumstances. No statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not endorsed by the United States government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions construed herein presented by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable. Completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Gary Anderson nor Anderson Advisors is affiliated with attorney J. Kevin Tharp or any guests on this show.